Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. And now, enjoy our latest episode. But the fact that these kids have this need to have the tangible, you know, to have the ink and the paper, thought was really amazing. And they love when the papers get delivered and they distribute them. And so that gives me hope that, you know, print isn't totally dead. Lots of journalists talk about saving journalism, and much of the focus is on what's going on in newsrooms right now. But what of the future? I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. In April, more than 200 middle and high school students traveled to Cutsdown University in Pennsylvania to learn from journalism professionals as part of the first ever Saving Journalism Summit. Today, I'm talking to Christopher Barnes and Destiny Beck, the co-founders of the Keystone Student Journalism Coalition, which organized the summit. Christopher and Destiny, welcome to the It's All Journalism podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. First of all, let's find out a little about both of you and, and how you got into your current roles at your schools. Let's start with you, Christopher. How did you get interested in journalism and, and journalism education in particular? I grew up in pretty much a household of news where there was news on at noon and then dinner time and then the late night hours. I had a father who was always reading the newspaper and I wasn't really into it. I guess it's just sort of by osmosis seeped into me for later in life. And I eventually went to college to get some kind of English degree, which did not make my father too happy because it wasn't specific enough. So I eventually graduated from Kutztown University, where we actually held our first conference. I graduated with a degree in what was called professional writing, which had a concentration in journalism and I interned at a century-old newspaper that is no longer in existence, and after interning, sort of worked my way up from reporter to, to the editor of the paper, and it was a dwindling staff, and by the time I was done, I was the editor with a staff of one, and my fantastic reporter basically did the entire paper, and it just became a thing that I loved telling stories and organizing stories and sharing stories with accuracy and hopefully with a little bit of enlightenment and entertainment. But I also saw where newspapers were going. And my father again said, why don't you become a teacher? I went back to school to become a teacher in English and eventually left my job in journalism. But thankfully, entered a school that did not have any kind of journalism program, as many schools do not. And I started a curriculum in journalism, took over the newspaper, and pretty much do with my school publication what I did with my old career, only with a staff of about 20, compared to a staff of one. And I have these, these hungry teen writers and photographers and artists who want to create the coolest publication that they can about six or seven times a year. So it's been fulfilling to come full circle, but to then keep that circle of, of journalism education going. What school are you at, if I may ask? I teach at Northern Lehigh High School in Slatington, Pennsylvania. Destiny, same question for you. What got you interested in journalism? What got you interested in education and in journalism education in particular? 
I started my career 16 years ago in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, teaching middle school. And then I transitioned to high school there. And then I moved to my current position, which is Parkland High School in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I actually spent most of my career teaching Shakespeare and theater electives. And that was my primary study in my undergrad and master's degree. So when I moved to my new district three years ago during the pandemic, that position included teaching yearbook, newspaper, and journalism. So it sort of fell into my lap. However, I feel like the transition was fairly simple for me because through my own professional development of teaching these courses, I realized that, and Chris really led me to this discovery, leaning into him for a lot of support through this, since I was new to teaching this particular set of courses, is that journalism is about storytelling. And most of my career was spent teaching Shakespeare and that was Shakespeare's greatest gift. So it has been a relatively smooth transition. And I also have experience when I first started teaching, I made extra money on the side by running a blog and taking photography workshops and working with floral arrangement companies. So I made a lot of floral arrangements for weddings actually. And so I would write about those experiences and then I would put them on my blog. And so when I had my interview at Parkland, a lot of those experiences really helped me teach yearbook because so much of those skill sets apply there. So the yearbook aspect was much easier for me, but the newspaper and journalism, I have definitely had a lot of learning to do on my end, but it's amazing how motivated the kids are. And that inspires me to learn more myself. And, you know, I just love watching them tell stories. Thank you for sharing those stories because it's, it's good to hear that the students appear to be enthusiastic about the work they're doing. Just in general, how are they as news consumers? Do they follow the news? And I know that, Christopher, with you, they start having started a program. I mean, was there a hunger when you started? Were people seeking out, you know, the opportunity to, you know, tell stories as Destin they said? No. I had the hunger. And as Destiny and I seem a little bit more controlled right now, she and I share an extreme outright enthusiasm for teaching what means something to us. And the hunger was mine to continue my former career in school. And I think it became just palpable that these students felt my excitement for wanting to tell stories, wanting to gather facts and interview people and ask questions and find things out, take great pictures that can tell a story just by itself or create the funniest comic strip that can make fun of a certain topic that other kids know about in school and then put them on newsprint and then deliver them to all these different schools in the district, plus businesses in town. So people outside of our school halls know what's going on within the school halls. And I think it was my hunger and not that I'm taking credit for that, but there was no, no desire for these kids to really learn about news because it's a different generation that we are dealing with when it comes to watching, learning about, and also receiving the news than I grew up with. So I tried to teach them a little bit about what it's like to follow the world and know what's going on out there, but also to, as I think we'll discuss, focus on what is accurate and true because those two things have vastly different 
consequences if you learn what the root of both is. And it's encouraging to hear that they responded to that. That's always a, the wonderful thing, the relationship between the, um, the instructor and the student and being able to you know, see your enthusiasm picked up and, and motivate them. Chris, you said something, you said the desire to, you know, tell stories, accurate stories. This is really a question for both of you. Is your sense that, you know, the students, again, a different generation, are they sort of keyed in into the larger discussion around, you know, trust of media and, you know, sort of the manipulation of media? Well, for my students in particular, I've noticed a great shift, especially since some of the more recent news stories involving schools within the last, I would say, six or seven years, I feel like students today have a stronger sense of their voice. And because so many students in the last few years have been successful in getting their voice out there and heard and action deriving from those voices is so inspiring for kids today. My students in particular, they are so plugged in to the news, at least my trumpet newspaper students, and they start class every day saying what's going on today. And they go around the room and they talk about what's happening and then they apply it to themselves. So what is important that's going on in the world today and how can we convert it to our own voices within the school and how can it translate out to our student body and our staff, our admin, our school board, our community, I know that the students do worry about, and they've expressed worry about people believing the news and trusting the media. And so we've talked a lot about the window versus the mirror phenomenon that Wendy Davis brought up at our conference, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But they are really interested in making sure that what they write is accurate and it's responsible and it's ethical Because if we lose our audience and they realize that what we're publishing is not accurate, we're going to lose them pretty quickly. So I do appreciate that my kids are so invested in making sure that they're doing their due diligence and researching and, you know, the words that are on the paper are as true as they know it to be. I know that that Christopher said that they publish a newspaper. You publish a newspaper as well? Yes, we like print, print. Yes, we do online and print editions. Print editions took a back seat during COVID. And then when I took over the position three years ago, I said, well, we have this online platform that they started during COVID. So they were never online before. I said, do you want to just keep rolling with online? And they wanted, as Chris mentioned, and we've talked about this before, they wanted the print in their hands, which I think is really wild because so much is in the phone now. But the fact that these kids have this need to have the tangible, you know, to have the ink in the paper, thought was really amazing. And they love when the papers get delivered and they distribute them. And so that gives me hope that, you know, print isn't totally dead. And it almost seems so archaic to them in a sense. So maybe that's why it's so exciting and, you know, vintage is in. So that's pretty great to see them with the papers. We had four last year. We had three this year because we did the coalition and some other, we started a podcast as well. So we had some other things that stole our attention away from print, but yes, long story short, yes, we have print and online. So Christopher, was that sort of your experience that, you know, that you wanted to have print 
or it just was that kind of what what you had when you got well i guess since you started it actually no i did not start the slate our newspaper is called the slate and we are entering our 88th year of publication wow. so the paper has been around for close to a century and we have so many historians in town who still have editions of the slate from like world war ii era there was one issue that we were given that it was so brittle it looked like the constitution it was just brown and, and wrinkly you felt like you should put gloves on to touch it but there was an article in there about the chorus concert that night being rescheduled because half of the chorus was sent off to war and i thought that was such a cool sign of the times of where the slate of our newspaper has gone since then back to your initial question i think students want to be connected they want that connection and they just i don't think they give themselves enough credit that they should be connected I think they have that scrolling, that scrolling, the scrolling, and they don't realize that they have a connection and a valuable spot in those articles, in those stories. They're not just outside participants. They should be part of them. And that's why giving them that voice that Destiny said, we do our best to let them know that they have things to say. They have people that want to hear what they have to say. And then when these papers come in, the first thing we do is we smell them, which I know sounds so funny, but <laughs> I love the smell of newsprint and ink. And I think it takes me back to my my childhood when I remember smelling the, <laughs> the newspaper in the morning. The, the kitchen smelled like ink and newsprint for some reason. It just smells better than a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the the desire for some sort of permanency, maybe just because younger people are more digital native they perceive print in a different way and value it in a different way because so many things are so fleeting in the digital space. But so let's talk about the coalition, the, the, the Keystone Student Journalism Coalition. You know, how did this come about? Well, I'll start by saying that I, I didn't know who Destiny Beck was a few years ago, and she did not know who I was a few years ago. And should I continue that, Destiny, or did you want to tell that story? Okay, so... When I started with Jostens as the yearbook advisor, I had no experience really. So I signed up for one of those online summer PD sessions with hundreds of Jostens advisors across the country. And so we were in the middle of the training and the, they left the chat window open. So naturally the teachers were getting distracted and we're just in the chat as the presentation is going on. We're asking each other questions and exchanging emails and things like that. And Chris posted in the chat and said, does anyone teach both yearbook and newspaper? Because that's my role next year. I need help. So I posted, I said, yes, I do. Here's my email. So I put my email in the chat and he writes back. And you know, my handle is obviously at Parkland SD. And he says, Parkland, Parkland, like Allentown Parkland. I'm like, yes. It was this weird serendipitous small world moment. There's hundreds of other advisors this meeting and the two of us just randomly connected there and so then we started talking we spoke throughout the summer through email and we just realized it was such a perfect fit because I had more of a yearbook background with my skill set and he obviously has a very extensive journalism background so I really really utilized his help that first year with the trumpet it was just so serendipitous I just want to insert here, hearing the word Jostens for the first time in, I don't know, like four, four or five decades is really kind of strange. But 
It's like, yeah, I guess they'd still be around. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, tell me about the coalition. So one of the things I always wanted to do after taking over the slate was to somehow, I wanted to create some type of local group, a local coalition where newspaper, journalism, English advisors, teachers could get together just as teachers, first of all and discuss what we were doing with our newspapers, what we were putting on the front page, what we were taking photos of, where we were looking for stories, how we were getting our staff together. And I wanted to somehow create a conference where just the teachers and advisors could do that. And one day I, in just a random conversation with Destiny, mentioned this and she said in her typical shut up fashion, I just had that same, I, I was just talking about that with my class the other day. Again, it's just this weird thing where we are mentally connected with these ideas. And she had the same idea, but she wanted to take it a step further where we involve the students as well as editors or as photographers or, or writers and get them involved in the conversation and in the process. And from there, it basically very minutely snowballed into, hey, why don't we maybe try to think of a conference where we can get together on a small level. Maybe we can invite some students, some advisors, have a little bit of a coffee and donut table, and we'll just see what the interest might be. And we connected with the local intermediate unit to help us create a conference. And we had one way back in October, and we didn't know how many school districts would be interested. We didn't know how many districts still had a journalism program or even had a newspaper. A lot of schools around here don't have student newspapers or they just have an online version, partly because of the funding, but also because there just isn't interest from the student's perspective. And there isn't really knowledge from teachers or advisors perspective to help create one and facilitate one. And we ended up getting I think about 12 or 13 districts who said, yeah, we'll, we'll come over and discuss some stuff. And we had a great first conference of just teachers and advisors. And at that little conference we had, Destiny and I told a story of how we met. And I think with the same palpable feeling that our students get from us, these teachers and advisors felt this almost obnoxious enthusiasm that these two wackos are wanting to put together some kind of conference for student journalism like who cares anymore about this big thing and then fast forward a few more months and here we are standing in this huge auditorium at Kutztown University where I graduated from and where Destiny did you graduate oh, from there yes and we're, we're standing there in this auditorium filled with more than 200 students from 13 different districts with a keynote speaker who is a news anchor with people from the Washington Post as guest speakers and NBC 10 in Philly and local newspapers and statewide newspapers. And we stood there almost in awe that number one, we pulled this together for our first time. Um, we called it the, the Saving Journalism Summit because we wanted everyone there to realize that this was still a profession worth saving. But we were just in awe that so many people wanted to attend to learn. And so many people valued their time 
to give to us to offer their knowledge to help these kids learn. Because then it became about the students. It was no longer about us getting together, but it was about teaching these students of what is still out there as an integrity of this journalism profession. It was amazing. Yeah. That's so heartening in so many different ways, let me tell you. What did the students get out of it? What type of feedback did you get? So we sent out a Google form uh, survey after the event and so many of the students responded and gave us such great feedback. They loved their sessions. The one thing they said they wanted was more, you know, more sessions if they could have had that to see more of the presenters and they would have liked more time to interact with each other with the students. So that's something looking ahead. We'd like to probably build in where they can just sit and talk with their peers from other districts and get some ideas. But there were so many sessions in the day and they were just back to back going to all of those. And they just were so varied. We had sports writers and web designers, news gathering. There were so many different things that they took away. And the way that the IU coordinator, Kelly Trumba, organized it is she gave the advisors tickets that they distributed out to their students. So that way, when they went back to their home schools, someone in the room went to at least every session. So a lot of the feedback on the form as well included that for the next week, teachers had content. And so their lessons for the next week were really just built around what did you learn from the conference? What can we pull in? How can we utilize that and make our publications stronger? And that was the goal ultimately. And it was really great. And many of the presenters also filled out the survey and they were just profoundly impressed with the number of students that were so interested and the questions that students asked during the sessions were mentioned by every single participant's reflection form. They said they were amazed at the depth of questions that students asked and they were obviously very eager to learn and wanted more and many of them requested contact information so they could keep in touch with those presenters which that's a phenomenal connection for those students who are interested and want to delve into this as their career. You know, now they have this person, this lifeline into the world of journalism. And I'm imagining that some of these connections will last for years and years, which is amazing. And it's great to hear that there are students who you know, maybe envisioning this, you know, there's something that they, they're learning to not only just appreciate, but something that they see value in and that's something they may, may want to uh, dedicate their life to. When I was, when I was in high school, I was uh, on the journalism staff and, you know, eventually became the editor and we went to conferences. I spent like a week at Indiana University School of Journalism. They had like an annual conference during the summer where they would bring journalists from all over the state. You know, they had their own professors, but they would bring guest speakers in as well. And that was a really enriching, in a number of different ways, you know, getting to talk to other journalists from other parts of the state. But then also, you know, getting sort of a deep dive into, you know, photojournalism or photo storytelling or crime reporting or things like that. And just getting this idea that there's, you know, there's so many applications to the type of work that we do. You know, we're not all going to be news anchors, but you know, there are careers out there in journalism 
Hopefully they'll still be there. I have to say that. I have to put that caveat in in case there are any students listening to this. The one thing that we really wanted to stress too was that we weren't sugarcoating any part of this profession. With every speaker, everybody was so honest and the students got the feel that we're not being negative about the profession or the future, but this is a craft for the dedicated. This is not a, a profession that you're gonna enter and like you said, become an anchor right away or, or just jump to the top of the heap. You're gonna have hours that are insanely ridiculous. You're gonna have to travel to weird places that you may not think is as glamorous as you see on TV. You're not going to see your family if you have one at that time. It's gonna be a profession that you're gonna to have to save money from and not necessarily become rich overnight, if at all. And we wanted to make sure that as much as we were becoming educators with every speaker we had, that they were also being honest with the profession. It's not necessarily a profession that everyone's jumping into these days because it becomes something that is really for the dedicated professional writer, artist, web designer out there that they really need to know what they're getting into. Because had I stuck with journalism, I truly do not know where I would be today. I was editor eventually of two newspapers at the same time, and both are gone. Both are just a thing of the past. And had I not joined the teaching profession, I just, I don't know where I'd be. To the larger journalism community, what do you want to tell them about the students today? Destiny, let's start with you. I think, as I mentioned before, students are starting to really embrace their voice. And I hate to repeat myself, but it's so critical that they value what they have to say. And so many of them are starting to understand that they do have, as Chris said, a place here. They have a place in the journalism sphere and people are listening. And, you know, students, I don't think, at least for me, when I was growing up, we weren't tapped into politics. We did not necessarily, at least my general group of friends and even into high school, it was sort of this nebulous concept politics. But now the students in the last few years, especially, they are really listening to what the adults are saying. They're analyzing what they're saying and then they're processing it themselves. And creating their own thoughts from it. I think years ago, many students regurgitated what they heard at home and that was their stance. But I think now students, I have many students who completely disagree with their families or they have a totally different concept of the world than the loved ones around them, which is so profound to me that they are taking the world around them and they're processing it for themselves and they're choosing what they're going to decide that they believe. And then using that voice and Chris and I and all these advisors who are just so remarkable in getting them to find the enthusiasm to hear themselves and realize that they have so much power and they can have so much conviction behind the words that they're saying and putting that back out into the world is just one of my favorite parts of teaching journalism now. And it I can't believe I started this part of my career so late because it is so amazing to watch them come to these decisions about the world and put them to paper. They have incredibly important things to say if adults will just kind of shut up and listen for a minute, which is really hard for us to do. But 
they're so valid. The thoughts that they have are so valid. And the sooner we realize it, the better everything is going to be as, you know, trite or maybe corny as that sounds, but we need to listen to them. Listen to the kids. (laughs) So what's next for the coalition? (laughs) Well, we did all this. We don't have to do anything else. No, what's next? I'm scared of that Well, here's here's something you may not have realized. There'll be another new set of students next year, and there will be every year after that. So have you thought about, you know, maybe what you're going to do if you're going to do anything long term? Oh, my goodness. Get Destiny. What always happens with your ideas? Chris is now he's learned that when I say the phrase, I have an idea, he should turn off his phone and just run <laughs> to the woods. Clear your calendar. What are you doing the next three months? Yes. This first journalism summit that we had, to me, was supposed to be a sweet little intimate gathering where we discuss headlines <laughs> and we discuss leads, maybe what newscasts headlines you follow. And, and then all of a sudden, we are standing at Woodstock and there are like 80,000 people surrounding us. And I think you're inflating those numbers, but go on. A little bit, maybe. Yes. What do you want to do next year, Destiny? What are our thoughts? So we had this sort of process of what we envision get the teachers together first then get the students together and my hope for next year would be to get those students that came together in April with their advisors and they would each contribute an article or two from their home school and we create a print edition our first KSJC print edition with all these contributing authors from our local school district. So that way they are together in print as well. Because what I learned at the October workshop with just the teachers, I would have been thrilled if four people came. And then Chris and I, like if there were six of us, I would have been thrilled. The room was filled. I mean, there were at least 20, there were more than 20 teachers and advisors in that room. And Through that workshop, we realized that when you advise the newspaper and or the yearbook, you are an island in your building. No one else does it unless you have a co-advisor. You are alone. And so the best part of teaching, right, is collaborating, getting ideas, having, you know, your professional learning circles. And we don't have that when you advise these particular publications. So there was a real need to get these teachers together. And so definitely that will be an annual annual event because they loved coming together and we all took away ideas to make our publications better. And so next year, I would love to see a print edition of KSJC. And then in the spring, if we have the summit again, hopefully at a smaller scale and maybe invite just editors of the paper and then have these professionals come in again and speak with them and then they can take things back to their home school because we actually turned some professionals away because we were filled. I have a list of presenters who unfortunately didn't get to attend, but they said, please keep my information for next year. We want to be involved in this. And that speaks volumes too, that they are so eager to talk about what they do and inspire kids to eventually hopefully follow and keep this profession thriving. Okay. Well, I think it's probably a good place for us to wrap up Destiny and uh, Christopher. Thank you for doing this. It, it, I, I don't know what to say. It's necessary. It's vital. You know, helping them find their voice. It's so important. And it's great to hear that students are responding. And 
are hungry to do something like this. You know, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks for doing what you do too, because we got to keep these stories going and the podcast really does help that. So thank you as well. Thank you so much for having us. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who report the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. To make sure you don't miss an episode of It's All Journalism, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco is our audio producer. Amber Healy writes our web content. Amelia Brust is our booking manager. Steph Thomas manages our social media. Nick Dupre composed our theme music. Carolyn Belefsky designed our logo. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.